0: Hello! Welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. Pom? bomb, Pot? It's a podcast. The Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is me, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. I am the guest, and in a random, somewhat serendipitous way, I decided to put my own self on the podcast. I've been asked pretty frequently to do solo episodes And I found that I don't really love doing those because it's simply me in an empty room talking into a microphone and a screen saying all of the things that I already know. And it's kind of boring, to be honest. However, I was recently on my friend Traber Bohm's podcast and he invited me on to talk about purpose and how do we find our purpose and how do we transform pain into purpose, and how does passion fit into that. And I found that I had a lot to say on that subject, and I prepared some notes, and I thought it went really well, and Traver was gracious enough to send me the audio so that I could post it here. And so what you are going to hear is me as a guest on Traver Bohm's Uncivilized podcast. Trevor Boehm is a good friend of mine. He runs a thing called Man Uncivilized, which coaches men and helps men be the best version of themselves, unifying the primal and divine aspects. Anyway, I was on Trevor's podcast. We jammed about purpose and passion, and that's what you're going to hear. So it's me as a guest on another podcast, but it basically is the same thing as me doing a solo podcast. Because I kind of ranted and talked a lot and (laughs) Traver would ask some really incredible and perceptive questions to get me back on track at times. But everything that follows is about purpose. How do we find it? What does it mean? How do we know that it's our purpose and and not a distraction, etc. So there's a lot of different topics covered. It's a very common question that I get from people online and through coaching sessions with clients. We all desire to build something, to birth something. And in this conversation, you'll hear my own journey from a research scientist towards a random guy posting things on the internet, to now having a podcast and a TED talk and a book, and a bunch of fun and exciting things. Also, I need to mention that Traver and I, along with our friend Lila Dilla, are hosting a retreat over New Year's Eve for about a week in Costa Rica in a place called Dominical. We ran this event two years ago. It was mind-blowing. Two of the participants ended up falling in love. One participant ended up getting a tattoo to memorialize her transformation from the experience. So we're going back. Obviously, last year was a bit of a write-off, but we've rented out an entire retreat space. We've got waterfalls planned. It's a short walk to the beach. You can go surfing. We're going to do some workshops. It's killer organic food. It's so fucking good. We're going to go ziplining in the Costa Rican jungle. There's a full moon, or not a full moon, a New Year's Eve party next door with live music. Um... What else? Costa Rica right now, the restrictions on the vaccine passport mandates, etc. is very wide open. The other thing to mention is that all of the meals and all of the live workshops at the retreat will be done in an outdoor space. It's very breathable. So those are two questions that I've been fielding from people that are interested. Also, you can put in a deposit right now, you don't have to pay the full amount. You can just reserve your spot, pull in, put in a deposit. You don't have to pay the rest till December. So you have a couple months grace period. You can find that online at slash the unfolding I will put a link in the show notes. Come and play in Costa Rica with me and Traver and Lila over New Year's Eve. Like, what else are you gonna do? You're like gonna go down to the bar and spend too much on alcohol and like have to get a taxi home and wake up hungover and be like, blah, blah, blah. Or like, are you going to watch the sunrise on a tropical beach with me and a bunch of other rad humans? It's a no brainer. So do check that out. Leladilla.com slash the dash unfolding. I'll put a link down below. And that's it. So what you're about to hear is me as a guest on Travers podcast, ranting all about purpose. And I think that's it. If you have any other further requests for me to do solo episodes, please do send them through. Please do review the podcast and leave a comment, like a written review. It makes such a big difference. And I, and I hate that it does. And I hate that I have to ask you. But it does make a meaningful contribution towards helping me get the word out, spreading the word, and uh, booking guests too. It helps me to book guests when I can say, hey, look, I'm not a crazy lunatic. I have a bunch of good reviews. So that's very helpful also. All right. That's a long introduction. Thanks for listening. And, uh, and here continue enjoying my voice. It is me, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. All
1: right. I've given you consent. Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to the uncivilized podcast. Bro.
0: It's been a minute. I was, I've
1: been, I've been waiting on
0: eggshells (laughs) for this invitation for this triumphant return, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to see you.
1: You know, I I try to do written invitations to all my guests, but since you've had like nine addresses in the past yeah. year, uh, it's been hard. So so nine other people have messaged me and been like, "Hey, bro, love to be on your podcast." I'm like, "Yeah, mm. sorry, that's that's." If you read the letter, it said, "Dear long distance love bombs."
0: I pictured you just sitting there, you know, after a set of burpees with your large ostrich feathered ink pen thing with your calligraphy, you know?
1: Yeah, of course. Maybe a
0: maybe a dash of perfume and then send what? it off into the world. A dash of man musk. <laughs> a dash of sealed with some ox blood or some shit.
1: <laughs> well welcome back, brother. Hey, it's uh, good I, to I think, be here. Yeah, I think you're my most prolific guest. Yeah. What do you mean? Like you're you've been on the most. You're my oh. most
0: prolific repeat. Well, that's that's yeah. a wonderful thing to be.
1: Yeah. And if people are watching this on video, those are Jeremy's words framed behind me in my office.
0: It's oh you didn't, cool. you didn't tell me this was going to be used on video. I would have I would have worn a different colored t-shirt.
1: <laughs> I have my bear shirt <laughs> on. We're going informal here.
0: Yeah, man. I'm I'm stoked to jam. I'm stoked to talk. I'm stoked to see you, man. I Thank have so you. much respect and admiration for all you are and all you do. You know that.
1: Likewise, brother. This is why I brought you in for what seems to be a very important topic. And sometimes people have probably noticed that some of our work together is more comedy based, Mm. just not on purpose. Uh, (laughs) But I think this one may be a, a little bit more serious. And that is the word purpose. And I, I threw a poll out to Instagram and to my email list and asked like, what is the thing that you're struggling with most? And the reply that came back was finding my purpose. And so I love if we, if you could jam on that or we could jam on it together of just things that you've seen in your own coaching practice and your own business as someone who's taken a, I would say a, a unique route to get to where you are, you know, deep <laughs> first, <laughs> poet poet second yeah. this is this is a very
0: um very what's the word eloquent and tender Thank way you. of saying that you took a roundabout shit show uh <laughs> on your on your way to the present you've managed to do everything
1: backwards and upside down And yet you're still, you're still doing all right. You're still successful. It kind of looks like someone took a lot of acid and then created your resume. So I really wanted to have you on. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other day, somebody was asking me about Instagram business strategy or something. And they're like, well, how did you do it? And I was like, well, I did it very, very differently than everybody else. In that I had an Instagram account for two years where I was just putting out whatever the fuck I wanted to say because I had literally no intention of monetizing it or making it a career. And yeah. so as a roundabout consequence of that, I built a community in a real authentic and intentional or unintentional manner, whereby at the point when I decided to blow my life up and pursue a completely different path, I was like, I was supported and I was held in that community. So that's not what I recommend everybody else do, but I could share anything and everything related to who I am, what I do, et cetera. Yeah. If you
1: wouldn't mind, just for someone who may not know who you are or how you uh, express yourself, especially uh, business-wise in the world, would you mind sharing a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how do I normally start it when I do keynotes? It's like, uh, I'm a compassion cultivating day-making change agent. I'm a anti-quitting word wizard. I'm a ferocious never-giver-upper. I'm a recovering scientist turned life coach, podcast host, spoken word poet. My name is Dr. Jeremy Goldberg. I founded a business called Long Distance Love Bombs while I was burnt out in the death throes of writing a PhD thesis. Mm. So I joke that I'm a recovering scientist, but my background is in tropical marine ecosystems. I worked for many years for international organizations, governments. Uh, I lived in Australia working on the Great Barrier Reef. I managed projects, people, grants. I wrote scientific publications. I lived on research vessels. um, And I was a coral reef manager, so to speak. I worked in natural resource management, conservation, sustainability. I was trying to save the planet. And then... I started this little side hobby while I was writing my thesis called Long Distance Love Bombs, where I was leaving encouraging notes and insights and positive mantras and little poems all around town. Literally, I would just write them and leave them on windshield wipers and in a pile of potatoes at the supermarket, etc. Then I started writing longer articles online, gave a TED talk, started an Instagram account, and things just kind of spread. The original idea or intention was just you know, in hindsight, looking back was more about distracting myself from the, the suck of being immersed in a project for multiple years that had completely sapped my soul.
1: Mm. And
0: I was running on empty and I started this little thing on the side that like made me happy and brought me joy and was having an impact. And I was writing little things that were fun and it was fulfilling and um and so I would go into work early when the whole building was empty I would get there like 7 a.m and I would write for an hour uh my stuff the love bomb stuff and then at 8 a.m I would mentally like close my eyes and like if you imagine a series of switches I would like disengage like I would like Mm -hmm. shut off the playful creative um, part of my brain and I would like Turn on like choo, choo, choo. I would like engage the scientific, rational, analytical, statistical mm. science dork. Mm. And then I would write my thesis and I would crunch numbers and I would edit scientific papers. So that's what happened. And then at some point, there was a reckoning in which I was completely burnt out. I had no idea what I was doing with my life, but I knew that I didn't want to pursue science any longer. And I remember sitting in my supervisor's office one day where she was talking about how, you know, your PhD is done and it's time to think about your career trajectory and where are you going to apply for jobs and all of this. And I just felt completely grossed out by the process or the prospect of filling out selection criteria and sending emails and getting, getting like, another cubicle in another sanitized, sterile building doing government science work. And I say that with the utmost respect and admiration for that profession. Like that was my dream mm-hmm. and I was doing it and I loved it until I didn't. Right. And one thing that I realized at that time, so, so she asked me like, but Jeremy, like, how are you going to make money? And I, ha- and I just, I was slumped in the chair and I stared back at her and she was so maternal and so loving. And I have, I have nothing bad to say about this woman. She was fantastic as a mentor, but I just said, I don't know. Like I shrugged my shoulders. And I'm like, I don't know. And like, I'll figure it out. Like, so one thing I realized through that process was this idea that hearts change their minds, right? Hearts change their minds. And so my dream for a long time was to be a scientist and publish in nature and lead a research team and and make important discoveries and create an impact and contribute to government policy and help protect these beautiful ecosystems that I care about so much. And then it it, it was that until it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then I had this sort of one or two year reckoning internally, whereby I finally concluded that I was a good scientist and I was a capable scientist and I could have had a good, capable career. I could have done that. I would, I would have been okay. Like I published papers. I have a PhD. I was okay at that. Like, but I realized that wasn't my thing mm. anymore. For a long time it was, but it, it got to this place where I, I was feeling called or pulled in a completely new direction. I describe it as a heart whisper. Mm-hmm. Heart whispers and fear shouts.
1: Mm.
0: So I was getting these little like, "Hey man, this love bomb thing is pretty cool." You know, that, that's how my that's how my heart talks. By the way, it has a, a weird <laughs> criminal esque <laughs> accent. It's like, "Hey bro, hey, come over here into the
1: shadows." A little bit of
0: Mexican gang.
1: A little bit of army. like, I,
0: yeah, I don't know where that came from, but nonetheless. <laughs> so it's like, "Hey." Hey, you know, like check this out, or hey, that's exciting, or hey, this feels fun. This feel at the time I was confused, but you know, looking back, it was like, oh, it was like the the war waging between my brain and my body. Mm -hmm. So my brain, fear shouting. My brain was like, This will never work. You can't do that. How are you gonna make money? Uh, you've worked your whole life for this process. You've got 10 years of experience in this field, you have so many connections, you just You just got offered a position, making loads of money in a very safe place, doing science that you care about. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. yeah, Shouting. Right. Meanwhile, concurrently, my heart was going, Hey man, like you don't want to do this. Like, Hey, like we need a break. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm like, "We're, we're tired. Like this isn't, this doesn't feel good anymore. Right. And so after this sort of internal struggle for, a year I call it the valley of the suck I had to walk through the valley and then I I basically bought a rusted van and then drove around America for three months camping and hiking and filling my cup and trying to rediscover or rekindle the spark inside of myself Mm -hmm. and then from there I decided to work for myself and do the love bombs thing and here we are
1: I love it. It's such a fucking cool story. And I've heard it, you know, a dozen times. Yeah. I still find it and ins- I still find it so inspiring. And there, there are also pieces specifically. if you saw so I took a couple notes. So it's like this is a flag. This comes out. And I think this conversation feels like so much of what is the essence of what you do is give people permission to actually follow their passions and turn their passions into purpose. And I think that's it's, and I, this is a cliche term, but it like truly is God's work because h- what is the gross national misery count here in the US, right? Like as a scientist, I bet you could calculate it and it's pretty fucking high. Mm-hmm. And, and I know a lot of the resistance that people will just hear hearing this. So like, oh, you had the luxury of doing that. You didn't have three kids. You didn't have a sick mom. You didn't have two ex-wives. You didn't have all of the things that get in the way. And so I think there is a community that can't dive in and they can't spend a year and they can't walk away. And okay, we, we'll acknowledge that. But there's also, so I'd say the mass of the people who can, but simply are locked in and stuck where they are. So I'd love to go through some of the, the points that you brought up, Jaron. have you kind of yeah. uh, expand upon them. Uh, the first being how many people that come come to you who are just burnt out i think can you talk about like what that actually in hindsight what what was what was the actual signal or like message that burnout was trying to tell you
0: yeah man um burnout burnout to me is like this amorphous vague term related to a deeper feeling of a lack of fulfillment, uh, not feeling energized, boredom, feeling unchallenged. Um, additionally, I think my own burnout related to a lack of mm, enforcement of boundaries in relationships. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was in a relationship and I thought it was great. Uh, and with (laughs) again, hindsight's 2020, it's like, Oh, I, I was not speaking up for myself. I was not, um, honoring my truth. I was, I was, um, I was like sacrificing my own sovereignty at the altar of peace, Mm. you know, of like not wanting to disrupt, of not wanting to annoy or anger. So -hmm. I wasn't honoring myself. Right. So there's that. I think burnout also was like, just tired like at a deep deep level i was fucking tired yeah i had been at that time listening to a lot of motivational speakers i was diving into that space of the the gary v's and the eric thomas's that are like my passion wakes me up in the morning You sleep when you're dead yeah i'm the i will out hustle anybody on this fucking planet i'm david fucking goggins you're usually a little softy Right, and um, and that was really helpful for a while because it did help me um, get my shit done, help me show up, it helped me commit, it helped me live in a space of of being dedicated, right. And then you know, there's other levels on top of that where you I realized the priorities around sleep, nutrition, mm. um, truth, etc. So so for me, I was burnt out, needed to change was sick and tired of the old ways of doing things, but had no real specific guidance, clarity, community around what to do next or how to resolve that. Mm. Or even that I was suffering in the amount that I was. Mm. I just thought like, oh, like you're doing a PhD. This is supposed to be hard. And it is, oh, you're doing a PhD. Like you're supposed to be stressed out. You're supposed to be unsure. And there's this like internalized culture within academia that supports and promotes and even like honors it it's like oh man you hate it like yeah right on man yeah you should <laughs> right and i've talked to people, healthy yeah yeah it's like i've <laughs> talked to people in med school as well it's the same shit it's like oh yeah you're sleeping like three hours a night for like for a week or a month or whatever yeah right on it's like this badge of honor
1: yeah.
0: that is deeply unhealthy yeah right um I was listening to Matthew Walker, who's a sleep expert, talk about the idea that med school, this is a tangent, but that that med school itself violates the Hippocratic Oath because it forces its students to not sleep. And now we have enough science and research to understand that sleep is vital for cognition, emotional stability, disease prevention, et cetera. So, So we have these ingrained institutional, cultural, societal norms that are fucked Mm-hmm. right and i think more and more we're seeing people speak about things such as naps mm-hmm. <laughs> rest mm-hmm. uh saying no to things uh, yes. talking about ways of approaching life in terms of like surrender flow acceptance right yeah. so
1: i'm completely off it's okay. off in the weeds Trave. yeah uh but i think this is really important because what, what i'm hearing is you saying to people if you feel this way it may not be viewed as an abnormality correct people people may like so you, people who this is i think what we want to do is knock down some of the resistance points from someone listening to this who's like wow i i i could have his journey but it's been normalized to not have it yeah and so i think that's a really important point jerov to to me it's it's evidence like you're burnt out that's evidence Yes. Something's awry. Something's not right. And it's not to say that even in our journeys of building businesses and building movements and working for ourselves and being whatever's that there aren't times when you you do get burnt out. But I think we get burnt out for different reasons and on different depths.
0: Yeah, this is just to clarify, this is not me projecting this light and fluffy glitter unicorn filled existence whereby I'm saying, hey, it should right. all be easy and right. you should never do hard things. Like you and I have a fucking program called do hard shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I understand the implications <laughs> and ramifications of like committing yourself to expansion, right? It's yeah. uncomfortable. For sure. What I'm talking about here is more the, the subconscious subversive element whereby we all kind of agree on this set of. Sorry, there's a fucking leaf blower down there. I don't know if you it's can okay.
1: hear it. It's okay.
0: I'm yeah. totally focused. It's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> duh! Uh, so we have these subconscious like systems in place. You would hear this all the time in your men's work, I'm sure, is like, happy wife, happy life. Right. Or like, right. oh, right. you're right. supposed to have a shitty sex life after you've right. been married for a year. Old
1: ball and chain. Oh, yep. ball and chain yeah
0: right where, where we all like kind of like snicker at these kinds of things but when you actually sit with them <clears throat> zoom out and ponder them for a moment it's like hang on this is deeply problematic yeah. like why are we why are we rewarding burnout
1: mm.
0: like why is it when people say like oh man i worked 80 hours this week are we like oh it's a sense of pride right it's like what like, this is crazy talk
1: yeah it's unsustainable so
0: it's unsustainable it's unhealthy and so it, as a consequence right you get all the things that we see particularly in, in men it's like yeah addiction, right. violence right. suicide right. etc
1: yeah man super good points I'd love to, to, to just have you talk a little bit about you said this was a distraction from the valley of the suck like the, it was a distraction from the oh, burnout yeah. of a PhD program. But what's so interesting to me is the choice of the distraction, whether it was a choice consciously or otherwise. We're not he's sitting here being like, Jeremy played 20 hours of guitar every week all through his PhD program. Jeremy did yoga 20 hours a week. You wrote, you, you had something, there's something in the information that's telling that this was your choice. And the, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because so many people listening to this, when I say, well, well, what lights you up? And they're like teaching yoga, cooking, playing the guitar, doing all the things. You're like, okay, well, do you think perhaps your purpose or your passion is around that? And they're like, no, no, no. That's just what I do to get through my my <laughs> the totally. drudgery of my day. <laughs> Would you mind speaking a little bit to perhaps listening to the heart whispers or how specifically your heart whisper turned into something... Big and yeah. so, do you see that in other in your clients? Do you see that in people who talk to you? Of is there a, is there a through line here that people can look at to try to help find their purpose?
0: Yeah, and so I think it it's like the heart whisper is perhaps analogous to the hero's journey, right? Where Joseph Campbell talks about this. He's a famous mythologist, whereby the somebody's doing living a life and they they hear this call, right? And then after you hear the call, there's a time whereby you don't answer the call. You're just like, yeah, I hear the phone ringing, but I'm not going to pick that up. I'm busy. Like I got shit to do. And like, who knows who who might be on the phone? It might scare me or or change my life. And then you do accept the call. You go on a series of adventures and then you change, right? And you bring that knowledge and wisdom back to the community. So for me, like, I don't like, man, how do I say this? I didn't want to do this work i i used to make fun of people like me i like (laughs) man look i'm like a a vegetarian nose ring having man bun wearing love cheerleading science dork like like i used to mock myself i was like oh really like oh just fucking sit sit and do nothing and meditate yeah that's gonna change your life bro (laughs) sweet good one like oh you don't eat things with faces that's fucking adorable why do you think you have canines it's like i used to so like i i share you know what i mean like i share that to to communicate that like there is some element of surrender required right like there's some element whereby the universe, it's like, even this, like using words like the universe, I used to mock. It's like, oh, really? The universe? No. But there's something out there, right? Whether it is the creative muse, the ether, the universe, whatever, Mm -hmm. wherever that place is where your ideas and intuition come from, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. grander and larger and significantly out of our own control, Mm -hmm. right? And so I was living my life, I, had, I was being a scientist, I was doing my shit. And then, you know, I was like getting curious through a series of random events. I was like, started writing little notes and leaving them on, in the public. Mm-hmm. And it felt fun. It felt expansive. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it felt like a good way to spend some time. At a deeper level, it also offered a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. It offered a mission. It offered me something to build. It was challenging. I was intrigued by ways that I could improve and grow and get better at that thing, right? And so it was like, yeah, I also owned a guitar that I played once a month. That wasn't my thing. Yeah. For whatever reason, I was being called to create and write and I answered that call Mm -hmm. and it filled this kind of void in my life which this science trajectory was not providing
1: Mm.
0: right so i was no longer feeling fulfilled by writing science papers yeah it no longer felt exciting to use my government swipe card to get into the building Mm. or like the first day i was like lit up on fire i I cannot believe i work in this building i am the luckiest son of a bitch on the planet Mm. this is a dream come true yeah. Like, wow, three, four years later, yeah. I would see the, um, I still have it. There's an indention in my wallet from where the rectangular card mm-hmm. sat for so many years. And I would see it. And it reminded me that I'd spent all that time sitting on my ass mm. working for the government. Yeah. And again, that's not to um, criticize the government, the position, science, research, etc. That's important and valuable work. It just was no longer my important and valuable work. I was being called to do other important and valuable work. And that work began by me just being excited and curious and keen to see where this leads. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Super important. I love this. And this is a good segue uh, because I think so many people hold on to what they're doing despite it not lighting them up and that not inspiring them and it not wanting to be expansive or all the things because it's what they've always done. So can you talk for a minute about just, and you've used this word, the reckoning. I, I think there's a difference between this long period where you're just not doing anything and you don't know what to do. And it's been a couple of years and, and blah, blah, blah. And then trying to find out what, what what is my purpose and actually having something that you worked your ass off for and having to walk away from that thing, would you mind just sharing a bit of your own process that like, how did you reconcile, okay, thousands of hours of my life, thousands of hours of debt, thousands of hours of like, this is you, like, how do you reconcile the, the like audacity to open an, a brand new empty chapter when the old chapter was so fucking hard fought for? I realized
0: that I was already living my worst case scenario.
1: Say more about that.
0: (laughs) That's the short answer. The, so I was, how do I say, how do I say this? Um, first of all, it's terrifying. And for me, it was terrifying. It was challenging. It took a tremendous amount of courage, and bravery to commit to doing that right and what you described is this idea of sunk costs Mm -hmm. right so you've invested i'd invested at that point perhaps a decade of my life Mm -hmm. to create the knowledge experiences connections whereby i was sitting in a cubicle in one of the best places in the world literally with some of the best scientists on the planet literally doing the work that I really wanted to do in tropical North Queensland, Australia, working on the Great Barrier Reef. Like I had made it. Mm -hmm. I had fucking worked hard for that. I'd moved to Thailand and worked for room and board and noodles for months at a time so that I could put on my resume that I had experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had, I had put in the time and effort and training to get to where I was. Right. And I was not stoked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was, was deeply unfulfilled and so i was when i when i referenced that year or two in the valley of the suck that was the internal battle between the brain and the body where i was like being called but i was having very rational reasonable points made by myself like mm-hmm. bro you've worked your whole life for this mm-hmm. this is what you've always wanted you can't do that what will happen if you what happen if you leave like yeah. you're just going to start from scratch doing what long distance love bombs? What the fuck is that? Like, you don't know how to make money online. You don't know how to be, like, I started being a life coach. I'd never even had a life coach. Like, it it was outrageous. Um, Okay, so anyway, that's where I was at. And then I started um, playing around with hypotheticals, right? So I'm like, okay, I've got money in the bank, I've been saving, living frugally, uh, so that I could have a bit of money in the bank i had no kids i had no mortgage as you suggested i was i was living as a student for years so i had some significant advantages right and i started thinking okay if i leave i'm gonna go buy this van i'm gonna go travel around see the world see america that feels fun then i've got money in the bank if my say if my monthly spending is x amount i could probably get by for six months right at which point i'm out of money okay i'm out of money i'm broke this is one of my biggest fears i'm out of money what do i do well i'm not going to starve that's what what am i going to do um i'll probably have to go and live with one of my friends for a bit and then if that doesn't work out i'm going to move in with my parents and i'm going to be like hey uh i'm a fucking Thirty? How old is it? I don't know. Thirty-six-year-old dude with a doctorate
1: (laughs) and and no money. I'm
0: a. I'm a doctor, (laughs) and I live with my parents, and I'm out of money, and I don't have a job, and I own a rusted van. Like that was what I had to confront. Yeah. Right.
1: Possible and. I had to
0: confront that like that is a reality like that might happen sure and then what would happen like okay so I would live with my parents and I would have to take a giant dose of humility for a while Mm -hmm. and I would have to confront ideas around feeling inadequate Uh, I would have to confront ideas around society telling me that as a man, I'm supposed to make money and be powerful and contribute, and I will not be doing that. And that's gonna be hard. And it's gonna not be ideal. Like living with my parents is not gonna be ideal, right? At the same time, I'm supremely blessed. What a a beautiful thing to have support, to know that I will not starve in the world, to have love, to have people that care about me, to have people that will take me in, right? So I was working through all that and then I realized okay so I'm going to be living with my parents worst case scenario begging for food from them maybe you know taking the trash out getting an allowance or whatever (laughs) (laughs) that's going to be awesome and um, I'm like okay what happens next what happens next is bro you've got 10 years of experience working internationally for various organizations governments etc you have a tremendous skill set you're well connected You have a fucking PhD, Uh, you're employable. And what happens next is most likely you would apply for jobs. You would most likely at some point get a job. Um, You'll probably get a decent job because of everything I just mentioned. And you'll find yourself working for a government or institution whereby you have a cubicle and a swipe card and you spend your days contributing to important scientific projects just like you're doing right now in this moment. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment for me when I was like, holy shit, I'm literally living my worst case scenario right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I meant when I started this little rant. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God, I'm doing like, I would, I'll be right where I am right now, except I would have taken a chance on my dreams. Mm -hmm. I would have made a tremendous amount of memories. I would have had adventures I would have gone and seen the world. I would have tried, I would have gotten into the arena as Brene Brown talks about. I would have fucking, I would have gone for it. Yeah. You know, I won't, I wouldn't have died wondering what could have been if I had only been brave enough to take a chance on myself.
1: Yeah. You know, that's the home run.
0: And it's like that, right. That versus, you know, I could have, um, taken the government position that I was in consideration for. I could have been a scientist. I could right now be working at a university, publishing papers, mentoring students, and having a great little life. However, if that was the case, if that was the path that I had chosen, I would always be fucking wondering, what if, you know, what would that have been like? What would have happened on that van trip, Mm -hmm. right? And um, Cheryl Strayed talks about the the ghost ship that sailed off or whatever it's like the other thing that you will never know about right, right. and i was not okay with not knowing mm-hmm. right there have been tremendous amounts of moments in my life when i have been okay not knowing mm-hmm. it's like i'm in a relationship you you meet somebody new there's a little sparkle razzle dazzle in your heart and you're like nah. like i'm okay not knowing if i if if what would have happened like it's fine but for me back at that time i wasn't okay not knowing yeah so i was like "Fuck it i'm gonna take a swing and uh that changed everything
1: yeah that's thank you thank you thank you thank you i think it's so important uh to realize that for most people you know where you're gonna end up if you if you leave this and go try something else cool. no you'll end up right back here and and and, and i guess with the unknown also mixed in there of like, you never know who you're going to meet. You're never going to know the conversations of where that may take you.
0: Yeah. And just to highlight for for those listening, you you mentioned people that like have a mortgage and have a kid mm-hmm. and uh, don't have money in the bank, et cetera. The, the process can still apply. It's like, okay, we all have different, we're all playing a different game, right? Mm-hmm. We all have different rules. So for me, I didn't have kids, mortgage, et cetera. And I had X amount of dollars and an X amount of time. And it was like, what am I going to do? That's the constraints or the boundaries within which I was playing the game. For other people, it's like, you got a kid. Great. That's part of your game. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. part of the cards that you've been dealt. How can you give yourself the most likely chance of winning the game? However, you define that win. Yeah. Right. However, you define success. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to mention, too, was that uh, when I was debating about the two paths to pursue, whether for me it was the science or the love bones thing, both require a certain amount of pain, mm. right? Both require some amount of suffering, some amount of hardship, some amount of sacrifice. And so for me, I wanted to choose the most exciting flavor of suffering, Like I wanted to, I wanted to choose the most delicious pain, Mm. the, the hardships that felt like the most fulfilling and wonderful was like, Ooh, like it sounds very exciting to leave everything that I've known behind and try this thing. Mm. That was hard. That was painful. That was suffering. And if I would have not taken that path, if I would have stayed in the government cubicle doing my thing, I described the idea of always wondering of never knowing right Right. of that's a different kind of pain that's a different kind of suffering it's a different kind of hardship but it exists nonetheless so burpees are hard so is being overweight you Mm -hmm. get to choose right you get to choose like being vulnerable in a relationship is very difficult so is biting your tongue indefinitely and not being able to look at yourself in the mirror or, or, or like being passive aggressive, like it's all it's all different kinds of heart. Yeah, so I just wanted to highlight that point.
1: No, it's a really, really important point. And people who are coming into this question most often are, are not happy or mm-hmm. are downright miserable of like, hey, I don't know what to do. It's not this. I'm not sure how to pursue this. I'm not sure how to quote, find this thing. Jared, can you speak a little bit or would you speak a little bit about the sort of the desire to have the calling come and just like land in your lap. They're like, you know, two minutes into that third meditation, it was like, I want to be a dancer. And it's like, that was it. And then I moved to Russia and I studied ballet. And and for a lot of people, they're like, still meditating, still waiting, Um, not sure what to do. Can you speak a little bit of perhaps ways to start to tap into the heart whispers or start to hear or maybe see them right in front of your face, even though you've missed them?
0: yeah i'm just picturing you as like a ballerina dancing in russia with like the little tutu and stuff because it's it's
1: there right the vision is there but then if you see someone dance in front of me and then boom they're getting choked out real fucking yeah
0: yeah i was like wow that's an interesting freudian confession mr bohm like um yeah man so the way i've described this is uh like be still be still and feel god be still and talk to god and it would be around words such as allow surrender flow accept right and so so be still and feel god whether that's go for a walk whether that's sit in meditation whether that's painting whether that's chopping wood whatever helps you to get out of your head and out of your rational analytical convincing mind and into a place where you're like there's a stillness there there's like a bodily knowing yeah. there that i think is really helpful um i'm often when i work with clients um i try to point out where i'm very sensitive to anything related to a justification
1: yeah.
0: And the way I've described that is that justification is a war waging against the reclamation of intuition. So justification is a war waging against the reclamation of intuition. Intuition is the heart whisper. Intuition is the, God, I love being a ballerina. God, I love dancing. Mm. God, I love puppies. God, I love gardening, whatever. That's like the, the intuitive pull. So for me, it was like writing. For you, I know for a while it was like you were being called to work with divorced people Mm -hmm. and you were called to be a meditation teacher and you were called to be a 21 day workout challenge guy. So you're hearing lots of whispers and then eventually the pursuit of those whispers with compassionate curiosity lands you in a place where you're like, oh, like this, right? So for me, I had to, I bartended for a while. I did cold calling uh, through the yellow pages for a mm. while. I like, cleaned up vomit in toilets, in bars. I worked as a barista, like did all kinds of weird shit. Um, and it's all part of the path. So the thing that also came up was I used to know this dude who was uh, the father of a friend of mine. And he was like real like rough and tough drank a lot used a lot of profanity very very like walls up closed off kind of dude mm-hmm. and yeah. he, he worked like in a blue collar job hated it was deeply unhappy and you get this dude around dogs and it was a completely different person
1: mm.
0: he would be cuddly and like like use this high-pitched voice and he was a he was like in love with dogs. And I, and many times I would see this and I would think to myself, God, you, you would be the greatest dog walker. He would be the greatest, you know, rescue puppy center employee or whatever. Like you're built for that, man. Like everything comes alive when you're around these little fucking dogs. Um, but he wasn't right. Because of who knows why, but he just wasn't. And so I think, when I work with people, it's about like clarifying what you love. So like I used to speak to high school students and give career counseling shit from a science perspective. And I would be like, hey, what do you love? What are you best at? Like cinch those together. You can figure it out. You love drawing, um, but you're best at like, whales i don't know you love whales you're best at drawing it's like draw whales like there's a person that's getting paid to draw whales yeah. i'd be like <clears throat> another thing i would do is like what's your like somebody name a body part and inevitably in high school they'd be like penis and i'd be like and everybody would giggle and i'm like okay I'm like name an animal I'm like i don't know hippopotamus and i'd be like somebody's getting paid to study hippopotamus penises like it exists the infinite amount of possibilities available to us on this planet is mind-fuckingly huge it's gigantic you could do anything like we're living proof of it (laughs) like yeah yeah so so like what do you love most what are you best at another way to tackle that or to consider it is the alternative which is like what is your biggest pain so the idea that pain can lead to passion can lead to purpose. Mm-hmm. Like what drives you fucking crazy about the state of this planet? Mm-hmm. Like what, has what hurt you deeply that you wish that you could fix that you wish that you could share with other people so that they never have to feel what you felt like, what do you want to, what drives you bonkers? Like what drives you cuckoo up a tree? You know what I mean? Um, there's that, like what, what pisses you off is another thing like what really upsets you so for me i got into science because i was i love the planet i love being alive i love going to the beach i really don't like seeing litter at the beach drives me fucking bonkers that our society is living in a completely unsustainable way where we have disassociated ourselves from nature that drove me cuckoo up a tree i wanted to save the planet so i got into conservation science the other side of it is i I'm really frustrated by the lack of civility and compassion and kindness and connectivity that we have with our fellow human beings. Drives me cuckoo up a tree. Really annoys me and makes me deeply, deeply sad. If I'm honest, that that we cannot see the differences in one another. So like, that was a huge part of my work with the love bombs thing is like, I want to make kindness cool. And it's like a snappy little cliche bullshit tagline, but it's like, wouldn't that be neat? Like, if compassion was common, wouldn't that be cool? And so, that for me is like a driving force within that then fuels all the rest of it. Yeah. Right. So, that's some ideas. I guess you
1: know, there's a huge, 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 huge. I think you've a lot of people, I think, sit down and take a breath and wait. They're oh. like, oh, it'll, it'll, it'll land. It'll, it'll all, there'll be oh, yeah. some random email that shows up with this subject that I've never heard of. Yet it is, I feel like in front of so many people so clearly, they're just blinded by their own resistance to it yeah. or the idea of like, well, I can't do that or, or whatever else the trauma is of like, no one in my family left the family business or yeah. my parents said only successful people become doctors or, or whatever it may be. But I still think the vast majority is, it's right there. Like what, what lights you up? If, if just that was the guide, like, hey, this fucking lights me up. Yeah. I remember writing uh, workout programs for people in college, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I literally don't know what I'm doing. But I've read like 600 Iron Man magazines, so I think I can I can put something together for you. So it wasn't odd to go into owning a gym. And so I also asked people like, look back, look at your history. Yeah. Uh, one last piece, if you wouldn't mind, because it's a biggie.
0: Yeah.
1: Your your advisor asked you a question that I think is the number one question in most people's minds. Hmm. How will I make money at this? Yeah. How much emphasis do you ask your clients or do you put into this equation? Is it like follow your passion and the money will come or figure out something that's also monetizable in this this idea? Like if someone's like, hey, I, I really just like, walking to street corners and yelling random people's names like, okay, leave your six figure job for that. Like, yeah. how, how much do you pl- how much emphasis does money play when you work with clients and how much emphasis did it play for you? And, and then also, if you could just add a little bit of like, how did you learn to navigate taking something from your head to your wallet? I think that was a lot of questions.
0: It was a, it was a significant amount of questions, but I, I, I tend to
1: get to the question I want by yeah. asking all the ones I don't want first. Trevor, you're an
0: excellent questioner. Questioner. Thank you. Thank
1: uh, you. Appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and like for for every question you've asked me, my initial thought is like, what do you, what do you think of that? Like what? Do, <laughs> like how do you? Because I'm curious, right? Like I, I, I prefer being the podcast host because like yeah. I already know what I know. It's yeah. like oh, all right. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like, all right. Here's what happened in my past. But like, I already know that shit. So I'm like, I'll waste five minutes and tell you the thing I already know. And hopefully, that lands for others. But like, so many times, I'm like, how do you, how do you do that with your clients? Or like, so the the thing is, uh, like, when people are like, oh, I don't know what to do, I'm always like, yeah, you do. You fucking do. Can we just stop this game about like I don't know what? Do? It's like, yeah, you do. There is a deeper knowing you buried underneath all of the expectations, excuses, judgments, et cetera, that knows. And so I think getting to that place when I said get still and feel God is is what I was alluding to. It's like, what's your actual truth? And so from a money standpoint, um, one thing I did over the last six months of my my PhD was somebody told me or I read it somewhere that like you can treat your current job as an angel investor in your dream. And that was a big shift for me, like, oh, like I'm getting paid to do this science gig and that I'm actually using that to start my business in the mornings, in the evenings and on the weekends. Like, that's a blessing. Like, how cool that I don't have to immediately monetize anything, right? The other thing that was helpful was when I reminded myself that it's not going to last forever, like this angst that I feel in this current place, position, job, relationship, whatever, it's not going to last forever. I was like, oh, I got like, how many months? I got like six months left. Like, what's that? 180 days? Oh, like I could show up 180 days. It doesn't last forever. So that was a really important distinction for me because I feel like when we are stuck in these places, we, we don't notice that we feel like it's going to be forever. it's like oh this is how it's always going to be right in terms of the making money while you're doing your dream it's like different for everybody in my experience right so i i i don't have like a a short and snappy answer like you should pursue your dream at all costs and you'll you'll make money and it'll work out and blah 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 because it might not um i go back towards like what feels easiest right now like what feels best is that does it feel the best like is the job really eating your soul that much that you cannot make it 180 days like maybe leave or maybe look for another job or maybe start offering things on the side start small so that's that's what i tend to do like kyle c says this great bit where he's Talking about, uh, he's talking to somebody that's like, I really want to write my book, but I need money, and he's like, That's why you need to write your book, so you could sell your book and make money. And like, on some level, there is a truth to that that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah,
0: and it for some people, it'll completely work out that way, right? For other people, it's like they might not be a good writer, and they might not have anything worth saying right now, or they're saying it in a way that doesn't make sense, and it might not be the best path. And so. I caution people against following the like online recipes from people on the internet of like, this is how I did it. So if you have these 12 snazzy glittery steps for only $99, I'll turn you into a six figure professional. Yay. And it's like, well, maybe like that worked for them but like, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's gonna work for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's an important distinction between gathering information, reading about all that stuff. Uh, I, I picture it like a toolkit. of like, okay, I take those nine razzle dazzle tools, put them in my toolkit, but I'm also gonna read a whole bunch of other stuff, listen to other podcasts, I'm gonna sit still, and then I'm gonna like, have a variety of options to consider. And I am gonna look at my toolkit and be like, you know, this one actually feels like the best choice right now. So I'm going to try that one. So it's not necessarily about making the right choice as much as it is making the most right choice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can't predict what is the right choice. Like I, I know about you. Oh, I do know about you. Like we've, we've made decisions in the past that we were convinced were going to work out just fine. And they did not. Mm -hmm. and those are beautiful challenging learning experiences right we've ticked all the boxes we've followed the directions we use the right fonts and the email at the right time like all the experts said and it's like it didn't land it didn't Mm -hmm. didn't quite work Mm -hmm. just gotta try shit and um and it'll work out is my it's uh, actually it might not work out yeah and i think part of the Part of the power of purpose is being okay with it not working out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Seth, I'm completely rambling. If you have no, I, are we on a time? Okay. Oh, no, we're good, you're good. Um Seth Godin fucked me up a little bit once because uh I'd always heard this idea of like, you don't know what your purpose is, like, what would you do? Like if you knew you couldn't fail, mm. what would you do? Right? It's a very common question. Yeah, yeah. What would you do if you if you weren't getting paid for it, what would you do? If you knew that it was going to work out, what would you do? And I was like, found myself nodding because I've used that with clients, you know, and it's very effective. And Seth Godin, who's this famous author, marketing genius guy, it's brilliant, goes, you know, something to the effect of, I hate that advice. I use the opposite. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you knew that you were going to fail, what would you do? If you knew that it was not going to work out, What would you do anyway, because it lit you up so much? What would you do? What would you do because you can't not do it, right? You know, you're going to fail, but you're still going to do it. I think that's an interesting way to frame the discovery of purpose and passion and all the rest. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, if I know I'm going to fail and live with my parents and beg for noodles by taking the trash out. I'm still going to buy this fucking van and I'm still going to write these articles online. I'm still going to take a chance myself. Like I'm willing to, I'm willing to fail just to know what it feels like to have that experience. Yeah.
1: And, and that I think is a really important perspective. Yeah. I appreciate the honesty of like, it may not work out. Yeah. I think it's so, it's so vastly understated in our space where it's the, like all you have to do is find the thing and the checks will arrive. They could also, we need to add, it takes time. You
0: like, know what I wanted to do when I first, like my first big idea after I, after I like left the job and I was like, this is how I'm gonna make it work out. But Trave, I don't know if I've told you this before. My idea was like, I was gonna have like a magnet empire.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> For real, man. I like that was my big just talking about failure and shit. I have like, one of your magnets on my yeah, fridge, though. I used to sell magnets. I used to sell magnets these are like arts and crafts uh markets and yeah. all, all around town. I had an Etsy page. I sold magnets, my words on them, they're fucking cute. I ran a spreadsheet. I did the math. I was like, I just need like you know, eight stores to sell X amount of magnets per month. And like I'm good. Like yeah. I could do that. Eight stores, no worries. Bro, I got one store <laughs> and they never bought any more magnets. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, what am I going to do? What am I doing oh, with my life? Like, yeah. I felt like a failure. Like, my plan didn't work out <clears throat> because the plan was all up here in my brain. Right. And so as a consequence, my backup plan, basically my plan B was like, shit. All right. Like, maybe I'll be a coach. Like, maybe I'll be a life coach. Mm. And I tried that. And so I think that there's, an important perspective to recognize that like the failures might actually be steering you away from a life of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. They might be like, they might be like those bumper mm-hmm. lanes at bowling. It's like you're heading to the gutter and then like you bounce back. You're like, yeah. like, Oh gosh.
1: Yeah. Save me. Yeah. And I think we can also throw in just having a, a basic understanding of marketing and business is massive mm. that I can look back on, probably my first two businesses that belly up very soon and went like, I had no plan. I had no idea. I had never looked at a number. It was just an idea, brought the idea to life, waited for people to come find it, waited for people to pay me, didn't know the margins on the products. Like didn't know anything and was like shocked six months later when I was broke. And so (laughs) I I think there's that point too, (laughs) that uh, you can never really study enough of business basics yeah um, you need clients you need cert you need to sell stuff you need to get that stuff in front of people you're and in the beginning you're going to be doing all of it and it may take years you know t- talk about how many companies i mean even our businesses that the first year not that good second year even less <laughs> third year wow we've like we're we're buying a little bit more expensive noodles now I bought <laughs> organic bananas <Yeah>. this time <laughs> then but it's like you're in the game long enough we've tried so much stuff we've been through courses together we've done so much brainstorming together i I also want to impart on people that you may find your purpose you may know why you're here on this earth and you may have to monetize that a different way or or monetize something else so that you can live that purpose for a long time
0: yeah and i completely um just realized i've passed over that one of those questions that you asked about the monetization aspect and it's it's what you just said i completely agree with like if you want to if you want to do something there's going to be you know 50 of what you think it is and then there's going to be another 50 percent that's a two by four from the universe it's like wait what like i have to learn accounting how to make a website email marketing uh <laughs> all of it communication <laughs> time management. And so there's a reckoning in terms of what you don't know, what you need to learn and the mindset required to be a beginner again. And to your point, I think there's also a tremendous amount of, um, like we tend to overlook how much we do know already Mm. from our experiences, from our life, from our networks, from our knowledge, from our skills. Like we have a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's working for yourself and, and making money online at least in the space that we're in is difficult. Mm-hmm. Like it, when I tell people I'm a coach, inevitably they'll be like, so like, isn't everybody a coach nowadays? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they fucking are. There's <clears throat> a lot of them, but mm-hmm. they're, they're not a coach like I am. Right. They're not a coach like you are. Right. And they're not, they, they're the other thing I hear from a lot of people is like, I can't do that. Like it's already been done before, Mm -hmm. or there's a million soap makers in my town. Oh, there's, there's already six gardeners in this. It's like, yeah, but they're not doing it the way that you are. Right. Like they're not saying the thing in the way that you would say it. Right. Right. And nobody can take that away from you and embracing that certainty requires a tremendous amount of work related to worthiness self-acceptance self-love self-esteem and all kinds of different shit that are really uncomfortable yeah and so that is also why most people do not answer the call Mm. because this shit is fucking hard right day after day after day and when you talk about making it like i set my so low expectations, It's like if I'm going to do a public talk or a keynote, it's like my job is to not die on the stage. Mm-hmm. Like I just need to not die. And I know when we were first starting way back in the day, Traver, when we were so young and uh, we talked about the idea of like treading water mm-hmm. It's like, hey, my job is to stay in business one more month. Mm-hmm. Like the, the more months that I can stay in business, the greater the chances that I'm going to make it. So like, I just need to get my ass through this month somehow, some way. And like, I need to celebrate the shit out of that when I do it.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good point of having a flexible mindset too of, wow, I have this intuitive hit to try this thing and maybe I try it and it flops. I have an intuitive hit to try this other thing. I'm gonna try it and holy shit, people love that. Okay, cool. Let's take another intuitive hit off of that point and see what happens. Uh there's there's so much to this. I, I really think that um this has been super useful for people listening. Is there anything else that you would want to add, Jer, or anything you want to throw in just on this topic freestyle? Um yeah, I have this point written down uh from Liz Gilbert,
0: who's an author. Uh she, had, she gave a really good talk on Oprah's soul sessions, where for years she was giving speeches about the idea of like finding your passion like a jackhammer or a laser beam. And then you go all in on that and you have to do that. And that's the way. And she talks about how she got this letter once from a person that was in the audience describing how that idea made her feel really terrible and really inadequate Mm. because she doesn't know what her one thing is, right? And we talked about this at the beginning of the conversation. It's like, some people genuinely do not know like what that thing is, right? And so her talk is about the idea of a hummingbird how like a hummingbird goes from like flower to flower. Maybe it's a butterfly. It's some kind of sentimental little creature like that. Uh, goes from like flower to flower to flower. And it's just like, try stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's curious. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, do I like this? Do I not like this? And basically her point is that eventually you're going to get to a place. It's like, oh, like this is my thing, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're being called to axe throwing if you're being called to cheese making, if you're being called to moving to Peru, if you're being called to anything, like your job at this moment is not to figure out how to monetize that and grow it and to, and to build it. It's just like, it's just to answer that call. It's like, I'm going to go try that. Hey, I'm going to put this program out. Hey, I'm going to put this thing out into the world. I'm just going to try it. I've been called to do it. So, so I think at a simplistic level, it's getting still figuring out what feels like the most intuitive next invisible step that you can take on your constantly meandering muddy path through this life and then just staying on your feet Mm -hmm. long enough to take another step
1: brilliant yeah agree with all of it brother thank you so much for coming on and sharing this uh, as I, as you said, I, I've heard a lot of your tales, but I, I still love them. Thanks. <laughs> still find inspiration in them. I really do. It's, it's, it's like affirming also just to remember for both of us of, I remember being on the phone with you four years ago, just frustrated as fuck and like, I'm going to quit or I hate this or what, what can we do? And, and, you know, I remember that. I remember you, you.
0: Um, one time saying like, hey, I just met up with Connor Beaton in New York who runs Man Talks, who's mm-hmm. a good friend of ours now. And you're like, and he and he's like, was pretty adamant that I need to go all in on divorce coaching. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing that and being in my body being like, oh, no, like, no, no, like, you're not a, it, thinking like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I told you or not, but we we were talking about it. Like, you're not a divorce coach. Like, that's not what you're here for. Like, but like, and I had to if that's what you're going to do. And that's the immediate, immediate next fuck. Yes. Like yeah. right on, I got your back and I'll shove you forward. And you had to do that in order to get where you are now.
1: Yeah. I did it for like a month and I hated it. Yeah, Right. I get a stomachache every time I told someone that's what I did. Yeah. I think it took me putting that stake in the ground. Totally. Of like I have to make a decision. Cause I remember telling Connor that day, these are the four things I think I want to do. Mm. Like, Well, it's, it's really hard to do four things. Well, you you want to just pick one and yeah, it's just, just the whole journey of it. I I hope people also take away from this conversation that there will, there may be infinite zigs and zags and who, who knows what we will be doing three, four years from now. But I think you also need to celebrate every zig and zag along the way. I'm so glad I was a divorce coach for a month. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for the fact that it didn't work out too. And that it transitioned me into something that now I can't imagine not doing and, and have built something massive around and also have the understanding that 10 years from now, I may not be doing anything like this. And that's okay, because all of the, the skills and the challenges and the learnings and the people and the expansion and the fun will come with me into that next thing too. So I think people also get frustrated with, like, well, I spent 10 years as a PhD studying reefs. And now none of that information is relevant. None of those skills is relevant. I'm like a brand new baby starting over when Mm. that's not the truth at all.
0: Yeah. And on that, that idea of sunk cost, Kyle C. has this great story where he's like, imagine you booked a flight from LA to New York and halfway through the flight, the plane catches on fire and it's all going to shit and somebody hands you a parachute. And there's a door and they're like, Hey, like, come with me. Like the plane's on fire. It's going down. He's like, would you say to that person? Oh no, no, no. Sorry. You don't understand. Like I booked a flight to New York. Like, I'm, su- <laughs> I'm supposed to go to New York. Right. i paid for this. Yeah. I've already bought my ticket. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't leave this path. Like right. I'm committed. Yeah. I'm hustling. I'm not a quitter. Right. And so his point is like, no, you would, you would jump. You would like take the parachute, right? You would take the opportunity. And I think some of that is in what we've discussed already mm-hmm. It's like, I know that I was on the flaming plane. Mm-hmm. It was going down. Mm-hmm. Like whether that plane is my heart, whether that plane is my relationship, whether my, that plane is my health, it's mm-hmm. like stuff was happening. It was on fire. Mm-hmm. It was to use that burnt out idea from earlier. Right. And, and like, it's up for us. It's up to us to notice those flames and to do some shit about it. Yeah. Trey, we, we should mention we're doing a thing in Costa Rica.
1: Yes, I was just about to get to that. So for those of you who have enjoyed this conversation and want more of this type of work or the actual figuring this out exercises to take this stuff deep deeper, uh, Jeremy, myself, and Lila Dilla are running a workshop in Dominical, Costa Rica called The Unfolding and this is december 27th through january 3rd this is a chance to spend new years hanging out with us hanging out with a lot of really amazing humans who are on the same path who are grappling with the same questions and who are in the fight with you rather than getting leg humped by some frat boy in a fucking over expensive bar in manhattan uh and (laughs) hold that hold that image yeah, it's it's gonna. We we did this two years ago. It was a massive yeah. success, and so we're doing it again. I think especially for people coming off of COVID, who are exhausted, who are burnt, who are also mm. looking for wow, I really want to use this opportunity to shift my life into something more intentional, something more passion driven, something more purposeful. Uh, come spend a week or so with us, chilling in Costa.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing to add to that is. So often it's hard to see the picture when you're living in the frame, Mm. so to speak. You you can't read the label when you're in the bottle. And removing yourself from your day-to-day life and your day-to-day comforts, getting out of that bubble, getting dropped in tropical Costa Rica with three coaches helps you to see your life in a way that is much easier to do than when you're inside of that storm so to speak.
1: Yeah. 1000%. So if you guys are interested, go to this uh, web address. It's Lila Dilla dot com forward slash the dash unfolding, or just go to dot and look at the retreats and training tabs she has. And it's, it's one of the first ones there or shoot Jeremy an email or me an email. Yeah. We're not hard to find. You can hit us on Instagram as well. Uh, it's going to be a wild week he said we did one two years ago and the stories we got from back from people of what they're doing now is just like mind-boggling like
0: two of the participants fell in love and are now living together (laughs) that shit's crazy like imagine if we're like oh we can't do this retreat like that'll never work no one will ever come like they would not have fallen in love and lived together
1: we're going to have to just keep tabs on like Costa Rica babies Other, that come out of our workshops. Thor got a fucking tattoo to yeah.
0: memorialize the event. It's like she's <laughs> tattooed for life. It's like, so anyway, that's all to say
1: magic happens. Yeah. Come play, come hang. Come hang and, out with us. Yeah. We'd love to see you down there. Jared, I love you, brother. This has been such a, a fantastic conversation. And just having you as a partner in, in this journey has been you know more than I ever can ask. So thank you for sharing, for being so open, for the kicks in the ass, for the big hugs. I look forward to seeing you uh, in a couple of weeks here in Colorado as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be at your, your men's party. It's a, just a big men's party. Men yeah. And then
0: <laughs> I've got my two ready, man. I mean, we're going to do, isn't that what it is? It's a ballet workshop
1: or in, with, <laughs> yeah, with a little bit of choking mixed in and some other stuff. It's going to be great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. No, right, right back at you, man. I, I love you. And I'm so proud of you and always happy to, contribute to anything you're doing
1: thanks brother thanks Thanks for having me cheers
0: all right so that was that if you enjoyed that do let me know if you didn't love that also do let me know your feedback and ideas are appreciated if you liked it i can try to do more of those if you didn't i can never do that again that's totally okay also as mentioned we're doing the costa rica retreat down in dominical over new year's and you can find a link to that in the show notes. Do come and hang. You can put a deposit down now. You don't have to pay for a couple months. It's all outdoor, fully breathable. It's tropical. It's We were there two years ago. It's so fucking good. It's so powerful. Like People get tattoos during the experience. It's, it's fucking bonkers. So we would love to uh, see you there, meet you there, hear all about your life, and just hang out on the beach together and go on waterfall walks and have some meals together. It's going to be great. So there's a link to that in the show notes. It's leeladilla.com slash the-unfolding. And thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, putting up with my voice for an hour there. And I hope it was meaningful and I hope it was helpful too. Because deep within each of us is a profound purpose and the world needs it. What the world needs more of is people living fully alive however that looks to you. And so if that helped you with some ideas and some brainstorms and maybe a little bit of a pat on the back or a kick in the ass to get you going, let me know too. You know where to find me. I would love to hear from you and please do reach out. Give me some feedback on this one. Thank you for listening. Thank you for always listening. I so appreciate you and I will talk to you soon.